Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Take a Killer to Brunch. I am one of your co-hosts, Darcy. I am the other co-host, Shannon. Whoop, whoop. And we have bubbles today. I call them our mimosas because, you know, I imagined wafting in some OJ and it's there. It counts. It's the thought that counts, you know? It's the thought that counts. Um, fun fact. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so... We looked at stats and we found out the majority of everybody likes to listen on Saturday evenings. Mm-hmm. So episodes are going to be shifting to Saturday evenings versus Sunday evenings. So it's a win-win. I don't know when our people on YouTube are watching. Um, we don't have enough data. So that just means we don't have enough subscribers um, and we don't have enough watch time, I think. We are up to, I think it's like 39 or 40 subscribers and we're over 200 hours on YouTube of people of people watching. So thank you to everybody who is subscribed and is watching on YouTube. Um, but we could use your help. So if you are an avid listener of us and you use YouTube, it would be uh, such a great honor to us if you could give us a subscribe so we could start to collect that data um, once we have hit those benchmarkers. Um, or if anyone you know might like this podcast and they're an avid YouTuber or whatever you, you want to do, um, that's our goal. So if you could help us achieve that, that'd be hundred percent wonderful. It's less about, um, wanting to do it for any other reason besides just getting more exposure to people who want to listen to us, but to also be able to understand you guys better and to know how we can better make content and when to put that content out. So, um, it's strictly for science and research purposes. <laughs> Data, which is also Darcy's uh, specialty. I'm a nerd. Don't ask me to do like anything super crazy, but I like to play in Excel. So it's fine. I'll just save your life. It's all right. That's exactly what it is. We're different kinds of nerds. Yeah. I mean, I think yours is a little more impactful to mine, <laughs> but yes. And please don't ask me mansplanations in the comments about fucking Excel. We're not gatekeeping Excel anymore. So with all that said, we're going to enjoy this lovely overcast weather, which I think is coming from that hurricane Mm -hmm. that's been hanging out. We had a couple sprinkles earlier. I only know this because Penny came in and sat with me on the couch. I'm like, why are you wet? (laughs) But it was like very light and wet. I think there were sprinkles yesterday, and then there were sprinkles the day before, and I'm just kind of like, rain or don't rain? I mean, I, to me, also, I do like the overcasty, you know? I do wish it would be, like, sprinkling overcasty or, like, raining overcasty, but, you know, oh, I like it. I think it was, like, 80. It's been, like, in the 80s all day today. Yeah. Let's say here. 86. The high is 89. I'll fucking take it, man. Yeah, for August. Yeah. I mean, it's backed up into the hundreds next week, but... <laughs> Whatever. It's a win. I'll take it. For the last two days, I'll fucking take it. Okay. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay. Well, so this week I have another case that's really going to piss you off, Darcy. I mean, I found that I actually get a lot of enjoyment out of this. Because, like, every time I... Yeah. It's great. Like, every single time I pick up, like, a topic, it's just like, oh, I know Darcy would be so pissed about this one. I need to unleash my rage on something. And you know, it's, and it's not like an intentional like thing that I'm doing, but it's like these are just great stories to tell in general because they're just like, what the what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. All right. And hopefully, I don't know if you've heard of this one or not, because it is very popular amongst like podcasters. Most of them have done it before. Um, so I think I don't I'm not sure if like, and that's why we drink have done it because I didn't listen to them. I did listen to Morbid. So that's one that they covered. Um, so this is gonna be the Ellen Ray Greenberg case. Ellen Ray Greenberg. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize the name, but I might as you start the story. Okay, you have to tell me. All right, so you guys, so who is Ellen Ray Greenberg? She was born on June 23rd, 1983, to her parents, Josh and Sandra Greenberg. And I believe she was an only child. Pretty positive on that one. Um, and she was naturally extremely close to her parents, being that she was the only child. Right. She was a very outgoing, very kind person that many people said had a smile that would lighten up the whole room. Just oh. a great person to be around. They lighted the whole room. They're destined to die. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't make the rules. I mean, in the picture, she does have a great smile. So, you know, poor, poor, poor woman. See, see, one too many men told her to smile more and yeah. it got her killed. <laughs> 
So she lived with her fiance, Sam Goldberg, which I think is funny because she's like Greenberg and he's Goldberg. <laughs> Thought that was a little funny. Talk about a lot of money. Yeah. Um, in a suburb of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where she was a first grade teacher. Okay. So she loved kids. I give her major props and a lot of people do because I'm not a kid person. And especially at that age of first grade, that's just like pure energy right there. Yep. A lot. Um, she and Sam had met through a mutual friend and I guess they were set up on this blind date, which I've never personally been set up on a blind date, but the fact that it worked for them and people <laughs> have it work. Wow. Um, and they had been in a relationship for three years. Um, when Sam and her, I guess, took a vacation to the beach and he proposed to her super cute. Aww. Um, on January 26th, 2011. So this is a fairly recent case. Um, Ellen was at home in her apartment. Um, I guess at the time at that, you know, when this occurred, Philadelphia, which is naturally obviously a really cold place to live. We don't know anything about it, you know, um, was in the middle of like a blizzard storm. So she actually got to leave work early. So the school got let out early because the kids needed to get home in order to be able to make it home. Right. So she was home and um, she had mentioned to like her friends and family. She's like, well, she's going to take the opportunity for basically almost like the day off that she was going to do some wedding planning and just kind of relax at the home and just, you know, just kind of relax and do her thing. She had a long list of shit to do. Now I've been married before. And obviously, you know, if anybody's listened to before, you know that. Um, but I remember very well that, you know, as exciting as it is to do all the wedding planning, it's like extremely stressful. Oh, sure. So, you know, keep that in mind too, especially with how she is right now in her life. Um, so, um, Ellen did had like, she did tell her family that when, Right before January 26th occurred, she's like, I feel like I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety. I can't sleep at night, all that stuff, you know, which is not an uncommon thing. I'm like, that's literally the definition of me, high anxiety and I can't sleep. Um, so following the advice of her loved ones, they're like, you know, maybe you should see somebody like a counselor or talk to somebody. So she did make an appointment with a psychiatrist, um, which, you know, they ended up being, she was kind of convinced. She really didn't want to at first, but they did prescribe her a couple of medications to help with her anxiety. And her sleep. So the, the medications that she was prescribed was Xanax, Clonopin, and Ambien. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So now psychiatric meds tend to have like a really bad rap, which is because they most often get abused. You know, people take them in excess, you know, obviously Xanax, we don't know about that one. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, if you do take them as prescribed, they're not necessarily a bad thing. They can be really beneficial for some people. Now, Back to January 26th of that day. Sam actually was also not working that day. So they were both stuck in the apartment. He decided that he was going to leave. He was going to go. I guess they lived in like, when you say like apartment, it's not like 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 a typical apartment. It's kind of like a luxury, like condominium kind of thing. Like I almost picture in my head like maybe like a more like a skyscraper type thing. Okay. Did it have, did it have like a, like a loft? Um, they didn't really have a lot, but like they, it was more like a building. So it wasn't like a bunch of separate buildings. That's really common here in Arizona, but it was huh. more like one big building and it was all interior. So like within that one building that their apartment was in, there was a gym. So he's like, I'm going to go down to the gym. So it's still within the same building. Oh, like a penthouse maybe? Yeah. Kind of something like that. So, so yeah, he goes down to the gym. Sorry guys, I'm like thirsty. Anyways. Now he, he's down there for about 40 minutes. Heads back up to the apartment as usual, but then all of a sudden he realizes when he tries to get into his apartment, he can't get in. He's like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. And he, it dawns on him that, you know, it's, it's a lot like the hotel rooms where you have your apartment at locks and then you have that weird, like metal latch thing. Yeah. Like the security latch. Yeah. The security latch. So then he realizes, oh shit, she put the security latch on, you know, like how, what am I supposed to do now? So, um, he actually had his phone on him, which is a good thing. So he starts to call and text her. But, you know, can you open up the door? I can't get in. Um, so this is the text messages that Sam sent her. First one being hello, question mark. Next one, open the door. Third one, what are you doing? Fourth one, I'm getting pissed, dot, dot, dot. Then again, hello, question mark. Then it gets a little bit more intense. You better have an excuse, dot, dot, dot. Ooh. Next one being, what the fuck? No. Then, ah, uh, like, a. Yeah. And then the final one being, you have no idea, exclamation mark. 
So that one really kind of like mm, made people really wonder, like you have no idea, like what? Right. I mean, I could see as if like you have no idea how pissed off I am because you yeah. locked me in and you won't let me in. Yeah. And like, yeah. And like, um, more of it was, they made a good point too. It could have also been, it's, there's so many ways you can interpret that last one. It could be like, you have no idea, exclamation mark, like, oh, you have no idea that I'm even here because you're probably sleeping or you're not with your phone. Something like that. Now, after numerous calls and texts, obviously she's not responding. Um, so he goes down, I guess it probably downstairs. I'm imagining it or in my head or whatever they go. He has, apparently there's a security desk somewhere sure. for the apartment. And he starts talking to the security officer saying, hey, I can't get into my apartment. Like, do you have like a tool or something so that I can get that latch to open? It's like my girlfriend, my fiance is not answering the door. And I guess they were no help. Now, this is where it gets a little weird. He says that they went back up to the door, like his apartment door to look at it. Mm -hmm. But supposedly they said they never left the desk. Either way. What ends up happening is that after about like 30 minutes of him not being able to get into the apartment, somehow he manages to bust down the door. Okay. Which I don't really know how you go about doing that with the security latch, but maybe, I don't know, maybe he's strong enough to like bust it in. I don't know. Never personally tried it. So, um, so he gets sent to the apartment and at around 6 p.m. is when he gets in on January 26th, Sam um, would then have to call 911 because he found Ellen on the kitchen floor slumped against the cabinets covered in blood. Yeah. And he probably felt like a real dick um, about the text messages. Yeah. Now, some research that I did um, states that according to a, a, the dispatcher that took the call from Sam, that he sounded somewhat agitated. <laughs> He's so inconvenienced. Um, but I think it was more because it, it goes in to say that they tried to explain him how to like, they tried to walk him how to start doing CPR on her. Mm -hmm. And I think it was more like an agitation, like, because they're not seeing what he's seeing. Because then he then explains that I can't physically do that because she has a knife sticking out of her chest. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, once Just press around it, sir. Just yeah so once paramedics got there it was clear that obviously there was nothing they could do for ellen um she was covered basically head to toe in blood and was stabbed um not just once but in fact multiple times and she was pronounced dead at 6 40 p.m that's sad very very sad and how old was she when she died 27 wow Mm-hmm. Now, let's get into the investigation, because this is the part that we all love to hear about, you know, and nitpick. Doozy. It is a doozy. Um, so once police arrived, they would uh, notice a few things. So first, there was no real signs of a struggle anywhere in the apartment. Everything was accounted for. There was nothing of value missing. I guess they had like three laptops. They obviously noticed that she still had her engagement ring, like all the things. Nothing was missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it appeared as though Ellen was simply making herself a snack and she was cutting up some fruit. So she was making herself a little fruit salad. Yeah. Cool. Um, so the only sign of forced entry was that of the front door, which was explained by Sam trying to get in. Right. Now, um, the only other entrance of the apartment, I guess, was a balcony, which they did look at and examine. And of course, remember, keep in mind, this is the time of a blizzard that they were having. So they were looking at it in a sense that like, okay, well, somebody, this did just occur because obviously she was alive when Sam left. When he came back, she was dead. Um, there was no like footprints in the snow or anything like that. So it was like, it wasn't a big time frame where like the snow could have covered it up. Okay. So they're saying there's, there's no real sign that anybody came in that way, supposedly. Um, at, an, at around 8 p.m., an investigator from the medical examiner's office arrives at the scene. Now, they begin by going over the events that happened that day, which Sam explains everything and everything seemed normal. And then he left for the gym, was gone for about 40 minutes. They then approach all the neighbors, of course, doing their due diligence to see if they heard anything mm -hmm. or if they even in general kind of heard any fights going on in the apartment. Mm -hmm. um, which all the neighbors basically say that they never heard a peep basically out of them. Like, it's just that that wasn't a thing. They didn't fight. Nothing like that. Okay. Um, they also noted that Ellen's body had no signs of defensive wounds. 
Now, with all that evidence, plus the fact that Ellen was home alone and in an apartment that was seemingly locked from the inside, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that she had no defensive wounds, nothing like that. Um, the police decided to immediately rule it as a accident suicide. Okay. <laughs> Before an autopsy was even conducted. Okay, but okay, why though? Because the, the coroner is gonna be the one to decide if, how she died. Mm-hmm. And he's not gonna fucking say suicide. Is he? Okay. Um we'll get there. <laughs> oh, okay. We will get there. Mind you, like I said, she was found with a knife protruding out of her chest. I mean, she left it there. Now, sadly, eventually, Sam, he called his, of course, his parents freaking out. And the parents were the ones to call Ellen's parents to say, like, you know, something happened. So, of course, when Ellen's parents found out, they literally said that it was like their whole world just fell apart. Sure. They were just absolutely in shock. Now, the next day, because remember, this is a blizzard again. Like, they had to struggle even to get there. So, they had to wait till the next day to even drive there. So, they're, like, hours away. Apparently, she wasn't, they didn't live in Philadelphia where she was at. Um, so I can't imagine just like having to go through the whole night and like not even be able to get there, you know, um, they were able to make it to the police station, obviously, because they wanted to make their statements, of course, regarding their daughter. Um, you know, and they did admit to the fact that, you know, they'd spoken to her, I think it was just like the day before even, Mm -hmm. and that she would, you know, talk about like her struggles and that with the anxiety and stuff. And I guess at one point she did mention that she wanted to move back home. Uh huh. Now they were very like adamant that she's like they're like it's nothing to do with Sam. Like it's not him. Like to them, like they actually had a really healthy and strong relationship. Um, and it seemed more like. And now, granted, you and I had a very different upbringing with our parents and stuff like that. But to her, like her parents were like her best friends. So it's like having those. We've all had those moments where, like, when you're an adult, having those adult like struggles, just life, whether it be bills, job, whatever. That was her comfort place was to go back to her parents. Like for us, not so much, but. You know, mm-hmm. for her, that was it. So it's like, it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm going back to my parents to leave Sam. It's more or less like, I just can't adult right now. Yeah, I want to be in my home. I want to be in my hometown yeah. where I'm from. Like, maybe she doesn't want to, like, move back into her parents' house. But, like, maybe she just wants to, like, move back to where she, like, came from. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah, and I mean, like, she had a difficult job. Like, she had to have a lot of patience working with those little kids. She wasn't making any good money. <laughs> so much for Greenberg. I, I mean... I'm so, I'm thinking that he must have had a pretty decent job or whatnot. I yeah, didn't live in like a penthouse. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was kind of like the investigation at the beginning. Now the next day, so this is like I said, it, it occurred on the 26th. It's now the 27th, the same day that her parents went to go talk to the police. Dr. Marlon Osborne begins conducting the official autopsy of Ellen's body. And like I said, keep in mind, the police already like suicide. Uh-huh. They already wrote that all over their reports. Um, it would be discovered that in total, Ellen suffered from 20 stab wounds. She did to herself. Um, 10 of the stab wounds were on the back of her neck. Hmm. She had a fairly decently deep stab wound to her abdomen. Mm-hmm. She had a gash or like a slice to the back of her head. Mm-hmm. And of course, the stab to the chest. Uh huh. So, all in relatively normal proportion to Slender Man. Like, he could totally stab himself. I mean, did they figure out what kind of knife was it like a butcher knife or like a steak knife? Yeah, they were assuming that they made the, they made the, we'll say it, it was an assumption that it was the knife that she must have been using while she was cutting up her fruit. So it's a large leg. Okay. So if we think about that, most of us can't even like do like the finger touch behind our backs. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, let alone fully 180 and then like bend. Like, there's so many easy ways to debunk if someone did that to themselves, especially in 2011. Come on now. Come on now. The report also included numerous bruises on Ellen's body and various stages of healing. Which now, at first, when I was doing my research, I was like, ooh, that's suspicious. Like abuse? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, as I was like typing things out, and like the more I was going through the story, I'm like, well, 
I also have various shapes on my body because I always run into things and I'm not a very graceful person. Kletsy, kletsy. Not only that, but you gotta think, this is a first grade teacher with children. Yeah, they probably hit her with shit all the fucking time. Yep. Trying to get in those like tiny little kid stools, you know, bumping knees on things. Ugh. Yeah. Speaking of bumping things, so fun story, side story. When I still worked at Guess, um, <laughs> where the cash wrap was, it had like a swinging wooden door. And so this door, right, I just so happened to be like trying to run back behind the cash wrap. And this was before our store got remodeled. So it was like loose. It didn't fully close. It just kind of like hung open. So I'm like running, running, running. And I'm five foot three on a good day. To make the short long or the long short, um, this corner of this door made full-on collision with my coochie bone. Ooh. <laughs> and I fell over. And I was just like... That's what it feels like to get kicked in the nuts. Yeah. And I was full-on Peter Griffin, just like... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, holding my crotch, like, on the floor of this store. Are there people? Oh, fuck yeah, there were people. And I'm just like... <laughs> and I was like, I, I was like, oh my god, it was so incredibly painful. And then when we finally got remodeled, they removed the door altogether, and I was like, fuck that door, <laughs> god, dude, it was so painful. So yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> Super happy fun times. But anyway, so yeah. <laughs> so yeah, bruises are kind of semi-normal. And then I guess more or less my question was like going beyond that bruises. It's like, what were they large bruises? Are we talking like just smaller bruises? Like right. what? You know what I mean? Yeah. If there are larger ones, that'd be, I get that'd be suspicious. But Don't anyways, so basically uh, looking at that as any normal human being would 20 stab wounds. I'm sorry. I don't think I could stab myself twice, let alone. And then like 20. Pull it out. And to also stab yourself in the head. Mm-hmm. And to like, it's like the pulling it out for me. Like, have you ever tried to pull out a splinter? You have to give yourself a good old. Yeah. I couldn't even pull out my teeth as a kid. Right. I couldn't do it. I wasn't one of those like weirdos that could just meet. No. Like my parents even did the whole like string thing with the door. Yeah. That was so scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I did. Nope. Um, so unfortunately, since of course our lovely friends, the police now, and also I just want to make a little side note to that, you know, I know a lot of my cases can be this way, but in no way do I, I assume that all police are like this. It's just, these are the cases that are most often talked about because shit does go wrong. Obviously not all police stations and police forces are like this, but these are a lot of the times the stories that it does happen. It's not all police officers, but it's most of them. So we can't get um so now of course since they made that determination of suicide in a very rushed manner the scene of the crime at this point was compromised beyond repair in fact a call was already made by their property manager for um supposedly okay in my research said some crime scene cleanup cleaners and i'm like ooh, there might have been like a really good name for this company do you have the name of the company no wait so their property manager just has like crime scene cleanup on dude like on fucking payroll like hey susan yeah. it's me again or they're like oh there's a crime scene i have a person and i know a guy i can get you a discount yeah <laughs> all i can think of is like God. when i think of that as like in john wick when he just like calls the people and like hands them the coin you know and they just come in like with rugs and roll up the body yeah and it's like nothing happened mm-hmm. oh so yeah now sam's relatives were supposedly they were trying to be helpful and he obviously didn't have it in him to go back to the apartment so they already went into the apartment at this point grabbed a bunch of his stuff so like his clothes all the laptops ellen's engagement ring like all the things so it's like what is even the point of trying to go back into this apartment but they did so one so day she didn't have her her engagement ring on her um i guess not or maybe they because i feel like that should be admitted into evidence no but it was a suicide so there's no such thing as evidence uh, so there's not just thing as a crime scene either so they're like here's the ring buddy maybe better look next time right <laughs> i don't know if it's necessarily on her maybe she had it off because i know a lot of times too like especially when you first get your ring you're super paranoid like getting dirty so like she was cutting up fruit maybe she had it off okay fair 
Um, so now on January 28th, which is just two days after Ellen's body was found stabbed, police finally were like, okay, maybe this is a homicide. So let's, let's get a, let's get a warrant to search the apartment. Well, it's too fucking late now, yes, Gerald. So, like, God. So they go back to the apartment, open it up, and find it all spiffy clean. Nice and pretty and clean again. So, yeah. Um. So while at Ellen's funeral, everyone, of course, was just devastated. But they were all, of course, talking because, you know, people talk. And they assumed that due to the findings of the autopsy report that, it, of course, the investigation was being turned into the homicide. They were talking about how they were going to the apartment and all the things. You would think, right? The people saying that or them actually doing that? Them actually doing that. Okay, great. The day after the funeral, a lieutenant told the Philadelphia Inquirer that new evidence... He spoke to the media. Great. Yep. The new that new evidence had surfaced and that suicide was again the likely scenario. Mm -hmm. He also explained that the evidence pointed to some, and I'm going to use air quotes here for people that are listening, mental health issues that Ellen was having. Okay, because this is why there's such a huge stigma around mental health and people feel afraid to like go actually get it because the second you tell someone that you're treating your anxiety, mm -hmm. your depression, your insomnia, your whatever. If something happens to you, it's like, oh, you know, they were so unstable. And it's like, fuck off. Like, no, exactly. no, they weren't. They were actually more stable trying to get themselves stable than half of these people who just don't do it. Oh, yeah. That's why I had to and put just, that in there. Yeah. <laughs> Capricorn. It's just, I'm just that way. It's like, no, no, Susie, you're a bitch. Like, go get to fucking therapy. I'm a fucking Capricorn. But I love you. I'm your name is Susie. Okay, then stop as then stop assuming it's you. Oh, sorry. I know it's all dry shampoo right now on my hair. That's all it is. I just like to touch your hair. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Now, in regards to those mental health issues, it was absolutely false. You know, like I said, you were they just jumped to conclusions at that point. Um, because the psychiatrist that she was seeing explained that, and yes, the police had actually like approached her. They had like a subpoena for like the records of like the visits there, you know, between her and Ellen, which apparently they only had like three visits because she had just started seeing her. Mm -hmm. Um, she also explained that she clearly told police that Ellen was simply just dealing with a lot of anxiety. She's like, that's literally all I said, because that's all that was in her reports. And it was just regarding life and that she had never put any kind of blame on Sam. She was always actually kind of happy when they talked about him and that she had never once at any point ever hinted at any kind of suicidal thoughts. So, I mean, I would trust her opinion over theirs, but what do I know? Yeah. So now, so what, what exactly is that new evidence that police have, you might ask? So remember when I said that some of Sam's family members went to go to the apartment to get his things and the laptops and things. Uh-huh. So one of the pieces of evidence that was turned into police was her laptop that was also in the possession of his family members for well over a day. Her, I mean, I think it probably, they could get into the computer. Uh-huh. But also the computer would have logs of when shit's done. So, and that's the thing too, is at that point, how is that even considered evidence when it, breaks the chain of evidence you know what i mean is there's a whole process legally that has to be done in order because like we there's very few circumstances but we have before in the hospital system where it's like if anything could possibly be evidence like you literally have to bag it up every single person that touches that thing has to sign it i'm also surprised they didn't take her laptop because at first it was a suicide uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I know a lot of suicides don't leave notes. Like, it's a big misconception. Yeah, they're going to yeah. Right? Like, well, did they leave a note? It's like, actually, more people that commit suicide don't leave a note. But that's besides the point. But it being, like, so, so haphazardly, just be like, well, she must have killed herself. I don't know how she did it, but she probably did it. They're like, the door was closed and locked from the inside. It's suicide. I mean, she probably bought one of those giant acne rubber bands from, like, Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, strung it up in her kitchen, and then was just, like, attached the knife and was like, go for it. And just, like, let that fucker just wiggle back and forth. Yeah. Like, I don't... Yeah. So... And I think a lot of it, too, was the only, I guess, little bit of in actual investigating they did was, like, when they obviously got there at first. Um, and it, like I said, it is just a complete rush of judgment. 
And they did note in their report that one of the things they found was obviously her pill bottles. So they're like, oh, she's on pills. The door was locked from the inside. Suicide. I mean, yeah. People don't stab themselves to death as in one form of suicide. 20 times. And I mean, it's also extremely uncommon. Like, I don't know if we talked about this before, but when it comes to suicide in women, that's that's like one of the most rare forms. Like when you think about suicide in women, like and not to be morbid or anything like that or dark, but it is, I know, is that more often than not, like the most common thing is like poisoning. Yeah. You know, it's really nothing to... Yeah, they overdose on medication. Yeah. They, um, I mean... Because it's all about preserving image, really. But right. I mean... There's, I mean, I don't, I don't know the stats between men and women, but I could even put up with like sitting in the car with like the garage door. That's another yeah, the car door door door. yeah, that's very common. Hanging yourself. Very painless kind of, most painless kind of things you could do. Shooting yourself. Like yeah. even for just people in general, they're not, I mean, cutting your wrists, another one in the bathtub, but like not just, you're going to stab yourself 20. That's such a painful way to die. Mm-hmm. also you're not going to poison yourself with like arsenic you know what i mean mm-hmm. like such a painful way to die yeah so like i said going back to the laptop that was also in the possession of um, family members for over a day so the family member that actually turns in the laptop to police happens to be sam's uncle does sam's uncle not like his ex his, his dead wife i don't i didn't specify that part mm-hmm. but do you know who his uncle was uncle fester <laughs> that would be very entertaining you know <laughs> so, so made sense <laughs> lo and behold sam's uncle was a very prominent attorney at the time and held a very large amount of power within the legal system of philadelphia ah he's now a judge actually too of course of course so that just goes to show that he can just corrupt and make things fall the way he wants them to fall like this is so yeah, he's the one that turned in Ellen's laptop. So let me guess, they find a suicide note on the laptop. They did not, but so on that laptop, police supposedly found in Ellen's research history or search history bar, numerous articles on how to commit suicide. I don't think in 2011, you need to look up how to commit suicide. I think it's kind of polluted the internet enough. They said like in the painless ways or whatever, but I'm like, I'm sorry, but stabbing yourself three times. Came up with? Yeah. 20 times not so like this just makes so much sense so lo and behold the investigation officially ends and ellen's death is officially listed as suicide i cannot <laughs> and then people wonder why people have no faith in the justice system and so and this is the word for like thoughts darcy we've heard your thoughts <laughs> my soapbox and my microphone please mm, yeah there's so many in this and i was like oh this is such a good one <laughs> All right. Which my eyes twatching is just not, (laughs) it's just not. So naturally, Ellen's parents decide to do their own investigation. Good. As should. Yes. Literally, it says as they should. Um, They go on to hire their own attorney named Joseph Pedraza. Almost immediately, discrepancies in the police investigation were found. Dun, dun, dun. Oh my gosh, shocker. So, like that concrete evidence of the laptop, you say? Well, it was found that that was never actually factual. Yeah. they That evidence was actually something called phantom searches, which I guess when I was trying to figure out what a phantom search is, it's like when things are on a laptop because say you search one thing, but it's like related to another kind of thing. Right. So really, in all reality, what um, Joseph Pedraza finds out is that the reason why suicide was, you know, somewhere in that search for history of her laptop was because, in fact, what Ellen was doing was researching the side effects of the new medication she was taking. She was trying to be like a smart person. She's like, I'm not just going to. She's trying to educate herself. Yeah. That comes into my hand. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like many of us, like our healthcare people know is that like, you know, unfortunately, like with any of the, the major um, psychiatric medications or anti-anxiety medications or depression meds, you're going to have those extreme side effects of suicide. Mm-hmm. Which is why when it even noted, too, that her psychiatrist did make sure that she had none of those thoughts because that always is a side effect. But she didn't have those. But she was also just educating herself on what kind of side effects to expect, right. which I've done before. Right. Like, what if she's, like, suddenly feeling suicidal and she didn't do that? Yeah. Now she didn't tell her therapist that I feel suicidal. And her therapist was like, okay, 
well, it's probably the side effects of your medication. Ugh. Yeah. So as well as hiring the attorney, her parents also hired their own investigator named Tom Brennan, which I guess he's like the super well-known guy. So um, he would also discover many things. Mm. For example, he was able to quickly logically explain why um, Ellen had no defensive wounds. Whereas, you know, to the police, that's just like, <gasps> but she had no defensive wounds. Suicide. Yeah, <laughs> suicide. <laughs> um, so obviously, even if you look at the scene itself, she was making a fruit salad. She was cutting up fruit, sitting at the sink, probably, or standing at the sink, just cutting. Yeah. It's called a blitz attack is what they literally call the it term. came up behind her. Yeah. So it was probably the neck or the head wound first. Mm. Then she's. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, of course matches those stab wounds to the back of the head and neck, like we just said. Um, he also noted that in the pictures of the autopsy, that there was a very distinct horizontal blood flow on Ellen's cheek that went from like her nose, I think, to her ear. Oh, so she was like on her side? Right. Because remember, she was found slumped against the, ca the uh, cabinets. Uh-huh. And like that defies logic, logic of like gravity. So her body was moved. Right. <gasps> Because, like, blood just doesn't flow horizontally for no reason. Correct. And if she committed suicide, like, she's going to sit herself back up at the very end? Like, mm -hmm. no. Like, she literally stabbed herself in the chest where your aortic arch is, you guys. And that's like a, like, you're literally almost instantly bleeding out. She's like, hold on. But hold on, let me sit up. <laughs> that's my bad side. <laughs> when I sleep on my side, I just look terrible. You can't find me that way. <laughs> Because um, even in the police reports, you know, they were like, oh, she was standing up when she harmed herself. And then she just fell to the ground and slumped to the cabinet. It's like, no. Then why? How did that happen? Sir. Sir. It doesn't just go that way. So these were the on-duty officers or the investigators? Investigators. God, they're so stupid. You should be ashamed, mm -hmm. you lazy puta. Except calling her to, causing her to fall on the floor. I'm sorry, not calling her. Um, so now looking at one of those stab wounds at the back of the neck, it's... It, actually, it's 100% proven that it injured part of her spinal cord. So she probably got paralyzed. Yeah. But mem remember, she stabs herself in the chest at the very end. Right. Because Paralyze. being paralyzed from the neck down does not stop you from moving your limbs. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and she was able to set herself back up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While she's bleeding out profusely. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. Sure. Get it. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the Twilight movies made more sense, but let's continue. Uh-huh. <laughs> so now there's this Dr. Lucy Warkall. Uh, no. Warky Adams. She was a neuropathologist that was a part of Adams. the initial official investigation. So this is oh, the first one. Yeah, we don't like her then. That led to the ruling of suicide. Bullshit. So when she was approached by the um, investigator that the parents had hired... Um, regarding questions of how the injuries of the brain and spinal cord could have been possible via suicide, Dr. Lucy admitted that she doesn't really recall if, in, in fact, that she had looked at Ellen's body or not, but it's plausible. But she signed documents on an official suicide. She was a part of an official, but she can't recall. She so know. she actually never did it. She's like, she was just like, she's like, but she's like, she's like, but maybe. So I got paid off and I'm going to sign this paperwork. She's like, maybe, you know, maybe. <gasps> then he tells his wife and his family is helping him cover it up. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Like, like, like what? Like, how, how is that? Like, how are you not like how responsible for that? I don't know. So, of course, the parents decide to hire their own neuropathologist. Yay. Damn right. By a doctor, by the name of Dr. Wayne K. Ross. And, and then I hope they sued the entire fucking county. For all these expenses and then some, but continue. Mm -hmm. um, and he stated that the injuries Ellen had would have caused to herself would have caused severe pain, cranial nerve dysfunction, which literally means like para being paralyzed, mm -hmm. and a traumatic brain injury, amongst others, which all basically means that it was literally impossible for Ellen to have been able to continue to stab herself especially with the extreme force it takes to stab yourself through the chest. Because mm -hmm. that is... There's a bone there. <laughs> lit, yes. It's your chest cavity, wall cavity. Like, it's, it's, it takes a lot of force. It's not like the movies. Like that guy. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's like, it's not like you're, you know, stabbing a pillow. 
Yeah. It takes a, and to just imagine like having to like do that to yourself. Like you would almost have to like get it in enough and then find a wall and push yourself onto it. After also stabbing yourself in the neck mm-hmm. and head. Yes. So then a company comes in called Biomax, and it's actually pretty cool. So I will show you the pictures for you, Darcy. I've heard of Biomax, but continue. Mm -hmm. They performed a test with their new technology that they had developed called photogrammetry. Such a hard word. Photogrammetry. Which basically took the photos from the autopsy and all the photos that they had of the body. And then they use like a computer generation software to map all the angles at which the stabs occurred. Yes, that's that's what we like to see. See, forensic files showed you all that. Mm-hmm. If forensic files could do it in like 99, you could fucking do it in 2011. Yes. So out of the <laughs> 20 stab wounds Ellen obtained, almost all would seem impossible to have done to yourself given the angle. So I'll pull it up really quick so you can see it too, Darcy. Because I don't yourself yeah mm-hmm. you know what you should do is you should not right now but take a couple like, of these yeah and send them to me and then or send me the link and we can put them in this oh yeah i put them in my sources oh, okay yeah, yeah so yeah just imagine like some of these like can you even like do that to yourself like we're looking at it right now you guys and it's like it's i mean you could also see like they could also figure out if they wanted to how how quickly blood dry between each stab wound you know? Yeah, like, I mean, we've all watched Bones, you know? Mm-hmm. There's, like, so many, like, they're just weird, because yeah. it's, like, almost like if somebody's coming from behind you and coming down, you know what I mean? Which would mean they're taller than you. Yeah. Coming down. But, like, to hold it and just, yeah. like, your arm doesn't, if you, I know it's terrible, but if you try to do it, it doesn't work that way. No, and the angle just wouldn't make, like, you could do it. Like this, if you really wanted to, but then when you go to pull it out, you're going to end up doing this. Yeah. Right? Like, you can go straight in. I mean, I guess you'd go like that. I guess you couldn't do it. I guess it would depend on the knife. Yeah. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. So, moving on. In October of 2019, so this is eight years later, Ellen's parents filed a civil lawsuit against the Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office Basically stating, of course, with the damages, but the primary primary goal was that they wanted their daughter's death certificate, basically, to be changed from suicide to undetermined. They didn't. They weren't even asking, like, to Freaking change it awesome. homicide. They're just like, please, just she, it wasn't suicide. You know, they didn't want their daughter's memory to be suicide, right? Because it wasn't. <laughs> um, they lost their case. How? <laughs> with all that evidence. Fucking lose. So, of course, they are still in the process of trying to appeal again. From what I've gathered, they were going to try again in 2021. Um, basically, what Philadelphia has done at this point in time is, from what I, I know, is that they're basically in limbo. It was passed off to another county to look go into for like, the district attorney. They weren't going to do, they aren't going to touch anything on that. So they're like, no, like we, we're sorry, but we can't. So it's just literally in limbo. Like, can't and won't are two different ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's like a pretty open and shut case. I'm not even asking for anything else. Like, I don't really understand why it's such a big dramatic deal. Mm-hmm. So at this point, the only hope for Ellen is to spread the word, of course, through podcasting and all the things like that regarding her case. Um, there is a petition out there on change.org, which we will put the link up because I do have it, um, for Ellen's case to be reopened again by the um, district attorney or the attorney general. Um, and I actually looked at the, the petition. There's like uh, like 157,000 people have signed it. Let's keep going. Yeah. So we will include that as well. But yeah. So still listed as suicide. And it's like, okay, so... Did he kill her? So this is my thought personally. I personally think he did not. But what I think is that his family, like his uncle, were like, this looks bad. Like they all, we all know that it's usually the spouse that does it, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first person they look at is a significant other spouse. 
and the being that he opened the door, he's the one that found her, all the things, they jumped to the conclusion. They're like, this is going to look really bad. They're going to pin it on you, all the things. So we're going to make it look like a suicide to try to protect him. Because really, everybody that they talked to said that there was no signs of anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, as the years have passed, some people have tried to come forward saying like, well, maybe, you know, maybe because whenever she would want to go out, she'd always, or, or was invited, she'd be like, well, let me talk to Sam first, which... That's not, I mean, that's not, I mean, that's, that's just courtesy. Yeah. Like, that's just kind of being respectful for your significant other and we're talking to them about it, you know? So, and I think a lot of it too is like, I don't, I don't think that it should be appropriate to necessarily jump to that conclusion just to simply reopen the case. You know what I mean? Cause that would be accusing somebody who might actually really be innocent. And by all accounts, they don't really have any evidence on him. True. I mean, it was weird to say that he said, that security went back with him to the apartment, but security said they never left their post. Right. So, I mean, there is a world where he said one thing to his family, but when investigators, I mean, I can, okay, I get what you're saying. I'm not saying that he did it, but I am saying like, I can understand where someone's like, okay, well, you're going to tell the police this, which also might not help you. Um, but it's like, I was thinking about it earlier when you were talking about it. I was like, if she knew he went to the gym, like, why would she lock the door? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess you could. It might kind of have it, though, too. I mean, maybe. I was like, maybe she was like, oh, I'll just lock it. Now I'll, I'll, you know, I'll know when he comes home and I can open yeah. the door. Like, I get that. But it's like, yeah. maybe she didn't lock the door. And well, then I was like, and then somebody came in. But then how do you lock the door? How do you lock that lock on the way out? So there is a way, actually. So okay. I have to include this part. So that also got debunked, too. Because they're like, well, there's that simple fact of the door that's locked from the inside. You could literally YouTube it. Okay, but are we talking about the same lock? We're not talking about, like, the little metal ball with, like, the big pipe. We're talking about, like, the, like the rectangle latch. Yeah, it just, like, folds over. Yeah. It's not, like, the one that goes in the hole. And, okay, like, right, 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 right. Yeah, it's just the latch. Okay. So, you can literally YouTube. There's multiple videos. Sure. And it's literally a matter of a lot of... There's one, even, I guess, that they had said was... Um, you can use one of those, like, do not disturb signs that they put on the door uh-huh. on the hotels, you know? Uh-huh. And you just slide it through, like, the crack of the door and mm-hmm. push interesting i mean okay i could totally see that i mean i'm seeing i'm seeing videos all over my feed about like how to like how to protect yourself in a hotel room because like the the hooks are kind of really big right now yeah um and people are showing all these crazy ways to protect yourself inside fucking hotel rooms which is wild and then they even said like with when it regards to like closing it even to like closing it when you close the door you use a string so i mean i mean if he didn't do it somebody did Mm-hmm. but then who you know i mean the world may never know you know so it's the fact that she was she was having a lot of anxiety but it's like could it could it really have been like did she have a stalker you know maybe that nobody really knew about causing her all that anxiety and wanting her to go back home i mean maybe i feel like until like an actual investigation is done like yeah I mean, because here's all, here's here's theory, right? I'm not I'm not on this I'm not going to die on this hill that he killed his his fiance, but she had just started going to therapy, and she had made it known to her parents that she wanted to move back home, she, not because she wanted to leave her, her fiance, because she wanted to go back home. What if he didn't want something said in therapy? Like, what if he didn't want something to be said, but he has no control over that. He can't know what she talks to her therapist about unless she tells him. Mm -hmm. And now coupled with like, she's wanting like them to maybe move to her hometown or the neighborhood her parents are in. And there's just this like disconnect. And, you know, there is a world where he could have killed her, staged the scene. Because if he broke the door down, then you only have to go by his word. Like, the door may never have been locked. Like, or, like, or someone did kill her, and his uncle's like, this looks really bad. And then he breaks the fucking door down, and then he makes up the story that Mm -hmm. it was locked. What if it was the uncle, you know? Could have been. Pervy uncles exist. Yeah. He very much was, like, a key player in pushing it towards suicide. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think there's some like fishy business going on on the inside, but until an investigation is done that interrogates the fiance and the family members and like the time of death with the text messages, I mean, I don't know how you can really tell when a door was broken down, but it's like, there's something weird about like, why would security lie about going up to his apartment? They have no reason to lie. Yeah. Well, also too, is that like, unless the security member did it. Could, you know, like they would have entrance to the apartment. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, they say that it was blizzard time. And if it really was snowing that hard, can it be possible for things to get covered up in the balcony? Sure. You know? That's that's always an option too. So it's like there's so much that can happen, but like I don't know why. It just seems like it seemed awfully coincidental when I was like doing all this research that it's like, oh yeah, like his at the time his uncle was this prominent attorney for Philadelphia. Now he's like this huge ass judge. So it's like, why though? Like who, you know? I mean, I would be interested to know within a year of this case, what that uncle's career looked like like did he get a big promotion because then it comes down to like then he helped cover something up right and he helped cover something up for somebody that could help him in the long run right yeah yeah there's definitely something that happened and like this shitty thing is is that because it was immediately listed as suicide there was just they had so much opportunity to do more investigating but it literally just got all cleaned away yeah, it's the immediate call of suicide yes. for me. Like, it's like just the so, like, we're just going to say suicide and walk away from everything. It's like so many cases we've done, just like that other one with Dr. Shepard. It's like they immediately, like, he did it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's just that uber rush of judgment. So oh, irritating. Yeah. So we will make all the posts for you guys and put that petition up. So, yeah. So it's still suicide to this day unfortunately and i'm hoping though that if we continue and more of the word gets spread out through all these podcasts and stuff that maybe some light will be brought again to this case and somebody will have the guts to take it on and be like no we're gonna relook at this so still we could we could have updates for you guys is there anyone still left in the pinkerton line <laughs> right <laughs> pinkertons come solve this please make some investigate all right and that is it that's all i got Wow. Okay. Shit. All right. Well, thanks. I guess. <laughs> I know. So frustrating. Yeah, that is incredibly frustrating. But it's a good story to bring to light. Um. Yep. So thank you so much. That was another doozy, and my blood levels are high. But that said, thank you so much for listening and being here. And we will catch you on the next one. Oh. Oh God. She almost dropped it. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> uh,